The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com. Empire. Betting on esports, it's a gamble. Yeah, nefarious people to be, let's say, you know, rigging, rigging stuff because it can really hurt uh, an esport, especially just at any sport, really significantly. Um, and the match fixing and stuff are really just a um, detriment to the scene. That's Mark Balch, head of product partnerships at Bayes Esports Solutions, where ensuring integrity of virtual gaming is paramount. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Mitch Reeves wrote about the emerging gambling markets in esports from his perch in Las Vegas, and you'll hear his thoughts on how the American sports books are engaging with the growing interest there. But let's start with Mark Balch, whose job is to ensure fair and balanced competition in the virtual space. Our guest this week is Mark Balch, the head of product partnerships at Bayes Esports Solutions. They're partnered with Sport Radar, and his specialty is betting and esports, which is an interesting time to have a discussion about that with all of the traditional sports on hold. Hey, Mark, how are you? I'm very good. It's very hard to have a conversation with anybody now without at least starting it by saying, how are you? How's your family? How is everything? You're based in England. How is everything in England right now? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it, it's it's kind of strange because England is kind of very different between living in London and living anywhere else. Uh, so I think there's there's definitely a sense of people being kind of fed up. Uh, but all healthy. I've been very lucky to be a part of esports and sport radar, and so I plenty plenty to do to love to love my job, which I know is is a struggle for a lot of people. So I feel actually quite quite lucky given the circumstances. Um, so. Yeah, I can't really complain. We're just kind of working away. Um, we'll get to um, what's happening now, but I'm curious about your background and how you ended up with Sport Radar. Could you kind of take us through what you were doing in the esports world and the betting world that ended up being married together here? Yeah. So, so my professional experiences in, in the betting industry, I'm Australian, so uh, I started with sport, sporting bets back in the day, 2004, when uh, online gambling was only just, getting started. Uh, it was a very big deal in Australia. We have a very big betting culture. Uh, so I kind of grew up around sports and Michael Jordan and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So I always had a sporting uh, history. So I kind of, you know, betting came very naturally to me. Uh, and then 2012, I moved to UK, continued in betting. Uh, in 2015, I found Sport Radar required esports uh, analysts for their integrity department um, to combat match fixing and fraud and I had a personal um, background in esports going back to 2001-ish watching Starcraft, Rude War played in a few competitions in Counter-Strike, things like that um, you know and I'd always kind of dreamed about being in the gaming or esports industry uh, which is why I moved to Europe in the first place 
So it was a perfect combination. And, uh, you know, five, at least five years later, still involved with Sport Radar and, and now Bayes. Um, let's talk about betting in esports a little bit. Um, can you kind of take us through what the word integrity means to you as you monitor the modernization of betting and esports together? So, integrity is a very complicated topic. Actually, there's there's a few different uh, elements of integrity. I think the main uh, definition for me is uh, to stop match fixing. Primarily, this is probably one of the most damaging things that can happen in any sport uh, is it, it takes it just ruins it for everybody the teams the the opponents the the fans the people who are actually betting legitimately um, for match to be fixed and and for you know nefarious people to be let's say you know rigging rigging stuff it just it can really hurt uh, an eSport especially but but any sport really significantly um, and the match fixing in starcraft really was a um, detriment to the scene um, over a number of years, uh, which has kind of seen it really disappear uh, from the top spotlight um, compared to 2012 when StarCraft was really ruling uh, the industry. But there's many other parts to it because the the players need to be protected uh, from being approached and people who run the tournaments need to be able to do this effectively, safely, uh, and, and moved by some kind of rules and sort of code of conduct. So they're not trying to cheat people, uh, that, you know, companies are paying players on time and teams on time. This is all sort of part of a wider description of integrity, uh, so that the actual, uh, scene, as you kind of point out, is professionalized. So that we get to a state where bigger sponsors, uh, bigger companies, um, are willing to come into the space. And we are seeing this. Uh, particularly led by Riot, one of our partners, and a few others who have who've now got and teams, uh, BMW and Mercedes, and some, you know, in the past they wouldn't touch esports, uh, but now it's becoming more organised, more professional. You know, I think this this sense of integrity uh, of the organisation uh, helps as well. So you know, I don't know. This could just be perception, but you know, with the traditional sports—soccer, football, basketball, hockey, whatever it may be. There could be, or at least perceptually, there's a feeling that you would know if you felt that something was wrong by watching it. Um, are we at a point where people could kind of watch the competitions and get a sense or use a metric to know whether they believe something is off? So it's, it's quite uh, difficult to say exactly, depending on, on how, let's say, how good it is in terms of a fix there are some fixes which are extremely obvious where it's obvious to everybody from the moment it starts uh, that you know something is wrong um and there's been a few matches out there in esports and traditional sports where most people know straight away there are other ones where you might not know at all in in both esports and traditional sports as well uh i think that probably the number one thing that is is very hard to fake is the betting itself and this is uh, one of the driving forces of integrity at Sport Radar is analyzing the betting market because betting is essentially about risk management, just like trading stock. And you can't really fake risk. Uh, so as long as you know how to read the market and understand if a ton of money is coming for a team, then it, there's no reason for it. You know, if, uh, 
I can't I can't think of an example. It's the best team in the world playing the worst team in the world. If all of a sudden everyone's backing the wrong team, yeah, and there's no news that would you know kind of back up this theory, there's something is there's something wrong, you know, that, because people are staking money, you know, a lot of money on this fact which doesn't exist. This is usually one of the the, the hallmarks of uh, of suspicious activity. But there might be a good reason, you know, all the best players not playing or. Or, or whatever, um, and this, this is what the multiple steps to the analysis of you know what's really happening here. And this is why information, very basic information, who's playing, what's their name, where are they from, you know, uh, what's their background, how good are they, what's their history, you know, th- this is the stuff that uh, people need to know in pu- in the public domain uh, to make sure that you know um, information is shared uh, correctly. Um, let's get into esports and its trajectory in general here. Um, I find myself using this word. I, I can't think of a better word for it, but there is an opportunity. Obviously, you know, no one wants to take advantage of what's happening in the world right now, but there is one for sports that can survive and consistently thrive through something like this. And esports falls into that category. Um, when real sports come back, uh, and let's be optimistic that they will. Um, how does esports use the opportunity and the platform they've had now to continue to grow? So I think uh, esports is a very commonly used term at the moment, uh, especially now. But I think there's two main, there's multiple, but I'm just going to use two for, for the time being. There's two really types of esports, like these sub-genres of esports. One is hardcore competition of video games, and the other is sport replacement. So sport replacement is your... NBA 2K, where there is a real version of the sport, or FIFA, for example, there's a real version of the sport, real competition, real performers and athletes, and then there's a, a, a virtual version. And if you take something like Counter-Strike or Dota or League of Legends, this is the, the pinnacle of gaming competition. So the hardest games in the world, the top gamers in the world. They're usually independent of each other. Um, and the, the one that's really exploded is the sport replacement, because sport disappeared. Uh, so I think these are kind of independent in some ways, but the, the current situation has exploded the interest level because there's no sport in the world happening right now, which is the first time basically this has ever happened. So um, all eyes are turned to anything that can replace it as content. And esports has been the one there. who We can play video games from home indefinitely. Uh, I think if you were to try and think about these two, uh, I think... On one hand, the sport replacement esports has a place for off seasons and for during times when there's a fewer matches. There's there's ways that you can create content where otherwise there's no content existed. Uh, so during droughts or downtimes, in the US there's probably a bit less so because you've got other sports which overlap. But uh, worldwide, there's certain times of the year where there's no soccer for example during the summer in most places you can have big fifa tournaments and know that people have crossover viewers um i think for for this i think it's going to be challenging to maintain the current rate of interest for the sport replacement leagues once traditional sports comes back um but what it has done is brought a lot of uh, exposure to the industry and there's a hell of a lot more people now who understand what esports is that last year didn't even know it existed. And and this, to me, is one of the best things about this, this situation, is that education, that knowledge, 
uh, even you know this uh, this podcast, for example, will will teach more people about it, and it kind of helps legitimize and professionalize the industry, and we get a few more fans out of it. I think there'll be a few more people who watch NBA 2K or Counter Strike after COVID that didn't before because they just didn't know about it. It may be too early then to ask this question, but uh, as you're tracking this, um, do you have a sense of how this period of time, the COVID-19 shutdown, is going to impact the growth trajectory of esports? So I think uh, it's definitely a huge spike right now, um, you know, where, I mean, it's hard to say which metrics to use, but almost every metric you can imagine in terms of interest level uh, and numbers of pretty much almost doubled in some cases from month to month uh, or compared to last year. So there's a lot of uh, huge increase at the moment. Uh, I think this is very likely to not continue at the same rate. Uh, when traditional sports comes back, I do expect it to dip down a little bit, but I do expect it to continue to rise um, for, for this foreseeable future. Because as I said, this exposure... Uh, has has made people aware of this stuff, and I think there'll be a lot of conversion long term. But uh, I think it's very hard to say right now. I don't think anyone can really answer exactly what will happen. Will it continue to rise at the same level? How much will it go down? Will it contract? Uh, you know, who would still be here next year when it comes to the leagues, different game titles, different sports? You know, because esports and gaming in general. Um, so obviously esports is based on video games. Games come and go, you know. Uh, certain games who were big last year, like Fortnite, not quite as big now. New game will come out, like Valorant uh, from Riot. This all of a sudden takes the center stage. Uh, and obviously there's a certain amount of people, so viewership can shift all the time. And this is it's a very fluid industry compared to traditional sports. Soccer is soccer, NBA is NBA. It's going to be there for 50 years. You can say you'll clock by it. Uh, so esports is a bit different in this way. Certainly right now, though, in the world, everything is a fluid industry, and hopefully things will get back to normal soon. Mark Balch is the head of product partnerships yeah. at Bayes Esports Solutions. Thank you so much for joining us. No problem. Thank you. Up next, Mitch Reeves wrote about esports gambling's view from the books in Vegas. This is the Future Sport Podcast. Well, we've been talking a lot here about the opportunity that esports has with sports being shut down. And Vegas, well, that's been shut down too. And they're trying to embrace many different ideas. Mitch Reams wrote a freelance piece for the Washington Post, joins us now. Hey, Mitch, how are you? I'm good, Bram. Thanks for having me. Um, you are in Las Vegas. So before we even kind of get into esports, could you describe the town right now? It is full on crazy you know uh, with tourism completely shut down conventions leaving people are really worried here and you go down to the strip all the lights are still on but completely empty with people creates a very weird ambiance just driving down there feels quite eerie i mean nothing feels dangerous right i mean there's probably a lot of people out of work um the entire city's economic system is completely shut down does it feel dangerous on any level 
I haven't really noticed that, but it does. There's this air of unease for sure. And then there was a recent protest, like many across the country, to open up uh, the city. So we'll we'll see how it develops. Right now, everybody's maintaining the casinos have actually done a pretty good job taking care of their employees, which has been nice to see. Uh, but you know. Who knows how long this lasts? All right, let's talk about esports here. Um, let's talk before the pandemic, and let's talk about right now. Um, their embrace of the idea of betting on esports. What was it before all of this started happening? Very, very little. There was uh, from the major sports books. Uh, some people have been pushing for esports betting, and William Hill specifically has put up uh, Counter Strike Global Offensive lines for three or four years now but they were not taking big bets and they were not accepting the vast majority of esports competitions for betting. And now, how do they feel about it now? Slowly changing. So they're pushing what's happened recently and a lot of news has been coming out is the Nevada Gaming Control Board has approved a lot of esports competitions. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the sports books are offering lines on them. They are pushing the game control board to approve these. So somewhere a casino is a sports book is pushing, Hey, we need these to be approved, but they're still worried. The same concerns they had before the pandemic still exist and are actually probably a bit more amplified now, given that every esports competition takes place online and there's less oversight to them. So they have the ability to put lines on them, but that doesn't, hasn't necessarily translated to a lot of lines being put out there. Uh, How about the idea of, just betting on this. Is this commonplace anywhere else? Would people who are watching these events be inclined to do so the same way they'd be inclined to bet on a, a football game or a soccer match? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is esports betting has been around in some form uh, for a better part of a decade, mostly in Asia and in Eastern Europe. Uh, esports obviously being led by Asia mostly. And so Esports betting, you know, just like any other form of competition, if you can, if there's a winner and a loser, somebody wants to place money on who that is. And there's betting companies as well in the U.S., most notably Unicorn, which is backed by Mark Cuban, among other investors, that has really focused in completely on esports betting and these different ways, uh, betting on streamers, betting on simulated competitions, all these other uh, very forward-thinking betting competitions that's uh, been happening as well for about five years. I think Unicorn was found in 2015. Let's go back to the idea of integrity here. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. that's a big thing that pops up with the American sports as, as they try to navigate what legalities look like in this country. And I think many people are less concerned about LeBron James throwing a game. And I, I guess <laughs> I would feel the same way about Ninja or someone like that. But this feels almost too easy. You know what I mean? Like if it's a one-on-one type of match and you're betting on it, would it be hard for someone to know whether that was on the up and up or not? It would. Yeah. And it's, uh, esports had a long history with match fixing in the past, uh, most notably in South Korea with multiple, uh, Starcraft games ending in legal trials and even a previous world champion being sentenced to 18 months in prison. That was in 2015. Uh, in the recent years, as esports has gone mainstream and a lot of money has entered the space, a lot of those incentives to match fix have left as well. Player contracts have increased substantially, and with casinos not willing to take huge bets on esports, there's it's tough to find the the right amount of where I can make my money and 
get something to throw a match. That's not to say it's not happening. In China, we just saw a major match-fixing scandal with a player in the League of Legends Pro League, which is probably the most developed esports league anywhere on the planet. And he threw two matches in March and was fined uh, $425,000, I believe it was. All right, I'll, I'll leave you with this. Um, you know, here's this opportunity for esports. It's out there. Here's an opportunity in Vegas where, hey, look, they, they've got to put something out there for customers. And you know, I'm optimistic that sports will come back, hopefully sooner rather than later, and things will get back to normal. But does this shift the business of sports betting in a way that maybe we wouldn't have expected? Would this accelerate the idea of betting on esports in this country? I certainly think it does. There's tons of mainstream attention on esports. You see the events being broadcasted on major on major channels all the time. And again, anywhere, especially from a better perspective, if you can bet on something that you think you have an edge on, esports is one of those things that there's way less developed lines and odds. There's definitely an interesting opportunity for betters. And I believe we see a lot more esports fans come out of that. And that naturally translates to more esports betters after this crisis lifts and we come back to sports. Mitch Reams, thanks for joining us. Thank you, bro. On the next Future Sport Podcast, Matt Gunnan, founder and CEO of Esports One, where their future is visually presenting esports in a way that broadens the audience. And I think that's going to be one of the parts that's going to be very fun to watch is you know, what is the on base? What is the quarterback rating? What is the slugging percentage, you know, within esports? That will do it for us this week. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by Three Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI powered and UX focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out Three Advance. They're incredible. Go to threeadvance.com. That's the number three advance.com.